Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sovereign Self where we weave spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. And my guest today, I wanted to bring her to you because I know many of you are like me, that you've recently awakened and there's this ticking that's going on and a mission that's burning in you that you need to get out into the world. And a lot of times we have the background that we need for our mission, but we don't necessarily have the background we need to be able to really light that beacon (laughs) (laughs) and bring the people in the way we'd like to bring the people in. And so that's why I wanted Rebecca Hallgreider here with me today. Rebecca is an influencer, and she is a number one best-selling author, compiler, publisher, radio show host, and empowerment leader. And she wants to help you reach more people. She has built multiple platforms to help experts reach people. And these... Platforms include TV, radio, books, magazines, the speaker talent search, and live events, creating a powerful promotional reach to over 10 million people. She knows how to get the word out there. (laughs) She is the CEO of RHG Media Productions, which includes the RHG TV network with over 40 weekly programs and a publishing arm that has helped 200 plus authors become bestsellers. She is also the owner of Your Purpose Driven Practice and the creator of the Speaker Talent Search. She has personally contributed to 20 plus published books, multiple magazines, and has been quoted in the major media, Huffington to post ABC, CBS, NBC, all of those alphabet soups, <laughs> Fox, Thrive Global, and she now helps experts get quoted in the major media as well. So today she wants to share with us a little bit of her journey as well as how you and me can get out there and be seen, heard, and shine. So welcome, Rebecca. I'm so happy to have you with us. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Thank you for having me today. Oh, I'm just, I'm so excited and grateful to have you here. I hardly know where to start. So I guess I will start where I normally start, which is, you know, I I read off these amazing introductions and it's like, ooh, if I could ever be that. (laughs) So I'd I'd like you to start with where you came from. Because I know sure. you, you weren't born, you know, with 20 plus book credits uh, to your name. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm happy to start, start back at the beginning. And if I go way back in time, I grew up in a very unsafe environment. Ooh. And in my younger years, um, I would cry out for help. It wasn't believed. And I was always put back into that environment. And I experienced things as a, a little girl that a little girl should not know about, much less experience. Yeah. And those who should have cared for me did not. And so I learned to survive. I needed to be invisible. Oh, Stay my. Below the radar. Yeah. Smile really big, act like everything was okay. And I was that little girl with the big, bright smile, but the sad eyes that just never wanted to go home. Yeah. And I eventually was rescued, for which I'm very, very grateful. Oh, um, my goodness. How did you get rescued? 
uh, the truth finally came out and was believed and heard. Oh, yay. And my um, birth father came in and he rescued me and fought the yay fight. Yay for too. daddy! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and my, my stepmom, who I call the mom of my heart, um, alongside, um, came and got me and um, brought me into a home where I was loved and got to heal and go on a journey. So they are heroes and heroine in my life. I'm very, very grateful for them. But it's one thing I learned on the journey to know things intellectually, because on that healing journey, even though I knew I was in a safe environment, mm-hmm. logically. Yeah. But it's it takes a while well for the body to get the message, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so as, as I went on that, that healing journey, I discovered I was lovable imagine that because they they loved me I mean before I believed it had been my fault there was something wrong with me it's it's not okay I must be causing this somehow yeah I, I'm terribly horribly broken yeah yeah and it's all my fault <laughs> yes. and I must not have value and so coming into this new environment and learning I had a value that there were those that would stand beside me that would care for me um, was an incredible journey but it, it took time to take in mm-hmm. step by step by step and then to discover not only was I lovable but I was beautifully and wonderfully made that those things were not my fault yes and so I began to strive to be quote unquote normal, what, what I thought normal was. <laughs> yes. Success. I was terribly, terribly shy. Like it, it, it took everything I had to stand up in front of people and say my name, much less anything else after that, two or more people. It was like my body would try to protect me on a cellular level. It would remember what happened before and start to shut me down. Oh no. And so, how did you manage to overcome that? That's that's a tough one. It was very severe. It was step by step because every time I stood up in front of two or more people and I said my name, I survived. And it became a little <laughs> more courageous. <laughs> what well, it did not kill me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I was so driven to have connections, real connections with people. And when I look out into the world, I see men and women that are still believing those lies, that they don't matter, that they're not okay, that it's their fault, Mm -hmm. that they are unlovable. And that hurts my heart. And that's what pulls me forward. Every step of the way was wanting to have others know the truth, too, that they do matter, that they are needed, that each of you are beautifully and wonderfully made. And that's the core of everything that we do and and are bringing to the world. Was there a particular watershed moment where the light kind of went on really bright for you? There have been many. (laughs) I was just thinking about along the way. Um, I remember one moment around the speaking thing because I was so terrified, but I had to to get through school and some of the different things. You have to stand up and speak at different times. Uh, and it was so book cool. reports or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was really scary. And I remember um, taking a speech class and because I was also very determined. Like I didn't want this to keep holding me back. And I had a really strong drive that I was no longer trapped. 
and I didn't want to continue to be trapped. So those things that were my edges that held me back, I wanted to learn how to come through. I wanted to learn how to break through that so it wasn't limiting my life. And that was really important to me from a very young age on that I, I didn't want to be held back because of that. And so I took speech classes. I took things that stretched me. And I remember one moment the, the teacher said, what if your audience was actually for you mm. rather than against you? And that became a really big shift for me. Yeah, that's because huge. And I was so afraid of messing up or not doing it right. And I had to appear a certain way. And when he said that, and then he went on to say that, you know, there's nothing more painful to watch than a speaker who's in pain up there that doesn't want to be up there. And the time stretches on and on. We love watching somebody that's having a great time that's up there and connecting and sharing with us. And I thought, well, I want to be that in my life. And that was that was a shift for me around speaking and stepping forward. And then when I stepped into the, I was in human resources for a lot of years, and I stepped into the financial arena. And they kept putting me into positions of leadership and being in front and leading teams and teaching the employees around about around different programs and plans. And so I learned that you could act a certain way. And you became more courageous as you did it. So as long as I put on the right shoes, I put on my uniform, quote unquote, and I could show up and I was the financial lady and I could serve in that way and help empower people around their money. Yeah, it's like putting on your armor almost, right? (laughs) It, It was, it was. And what I didn't realize is not not only does armor, quote unquote, we think protect us, it actually keeps people to distance. Yes. It, it creates this barrier where they can't hear you, they can't connect with you. Yeah, and they, they don't recognize you as being the same as them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, when did you come to that realization and how did you shift that? Well, I was newly married and I started to have, and my, I had my own private financial practice at this point. And from the outside, like I had achieved all these things and blood, sweat, and tears, built this practice, um, newly married and looking forward to the happily ever after, like what we're going to build. In right. Life the together. white picket fence and 2.5 uh, yeah, kids yeah, and the dog. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I started to get this calling, this prompting in my spirit, Rebecca, it's time. I thought, time for what? It's time for you yeah. to speak. It's time for you to share your story. Huh? I have plans. <laughs> I'm a planner. I'm this a planner. Not, I have plans. A, I can Contingency and see here are the plans. <laughs> and it, to me, it was God speaking to me saying, Rebecca, it's time. It's time for you to share your story. I thought, oh. That's that's not what financial advisors do. That's not what we talk about. And, and in oh, fact, I'm supposed to look go, perfect and put together. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't want to go back there. That isn't what I do. I want to press forward and build a life. And then God started playing tapes through my mind, which I really didn't think was very fair. Of the the healing journey. Ah. And He would show me these moments where I would say, "Okay, God." You're asking me to do this mean, hard, horrible thing I don't think I should have to do. Tell the truth. 
take a stand, heal in this way, stand in any way. But I will do this horrible hard thing if it can make a difference for another. I will take this stand. And to me, I cared more for others than myself at that point. It took a while to love myself too. And that was part of what pressed me forward. So again and again, every time those hard steps came, I had that same dialogue. And I said, okay, but here's the deal, God. I will do this if it can make a difference for another. So he started playing all those tapes over and over through my head as I was telling him all the reasons I wasn't qualified and who was a better person to do this. And I don't know how, I don't know how to make an offer, all these reasons to not. And the list of people who I thought were much more qualified. (laughs) And it was like, he came back to me and said, Rebecca, it is your choice. Will you go where I call you to go and share what I call you to share or not? But choose. And I wrestled nine months and I remember I was in church next to my husband and crying, just kind of a mess because it was such a wrestling. I said, okay, God, I will do this mean, hard, horrible thing you're asking me to do if I don't have to speak to more than 50 people at a time, no radio, no television, no writing books because I'm not an author. I don't do that. Um, I'll use a microphone because my voice isn't super loud. No filming, no cameras, uh, no recording <laughs> in any way. I love all of the qualifications you put around that. I, you know, I was clear. I said, let's go change the world, you know. <laughs> we'll go change the world 50 people at a time with no tape. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> I was like, God, I said yes. And he came back to me and said, Rebecca, I think you've misunderstood. This is yes or no, period. There aren't contingencies. There aren't boundaries. Will you go where I call you to go Yeah, or not? The, the moment of surrender is that way. You either surrender or you don't. Because I remember my own moment of surrender. I was like, I will do anything if only I can get better. Mm. And the little voice came and said, do you want to qualify that? And I thought about it for a second. I said, no, I will do anything. I don't care what it is. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is, you're either in or you're out. <laughs> it is. And it's, it's all one way or the other. It, it, it just is. And so I remember saying, okay, God, I will. And I listed everything again. I really hope I don't have to. And I listed everything again just so he knew the list. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'm in. But if we can avoid these. You know, I'm, I'm okay if we manage to navigate through and around these things. And I look back at that moment and I think it's so interesting because those were none of that was on the horizon. Nobody had asked me to do any of those things. Those were just the scariest things I can imagine that seemed impossible for me to be afraid of to say no to. Yeah. And and I love you telling this story in light of the the background that I just read out with the publishing and the radio shows and the TV shows. <laughs> It's like everything I said I would do it if I could avoid is right there on that list. <laughs> <laughs> and and what I found is every step prepares you for the next. And I actually love doing all of those things. Who knew? Yeah, who knew? They I seemed big and scary and then they turn out to be wonderful and fluffy and heartwarming. Exactly. And it's just one step at a time and one step at a time. And I just... And part of, I talked about my shifting around speaking a little bit. I also had to have a shift around making offers a bit. 
I had to have a shift around what is visibility? What is leadership? And those were all moments that as my perspective shifted, I was able to stand more fully in all of those areas and therefore serve more fully because I wasn't limited by how, what I thought those things were. I was able to lean in and learn what they were and what are they for me and for the people I serve. Exactly. So I know that making offers tends to be a challenge for a great many people in the spiritual realm. Tell us about how you shifted around making offers. What, where were you with making offers and then what, did, what shifted it for you? Yeah, I was in, this was in human resources and in the financial field. It was in both of those types of positions. And I observed, I was really good at providing great information. I wanted to educate people. I wanted to help them. I wanted them to make great decisions. And then somehow they would know I was the person that could help them with this. But somehow I didn't want to ever have to make the offer. I thought they should just come to me and know and ask for it. And then we would sign the papers or whatever needed to happen. And I observed people making decisions that were not in their best interest. Mm. And at one point in the financial world, I looked at this and I saw it again and again. And I thought, I need to take responsibility for that. Yeah. And I'm going to pause you right here in this story because we're going to get ready to go off to break for a moment. Perfect. (laughs) Um, If you would like to talk to us a little bit more during the break or after the show, you can reach me on Facebook at Zofia Renea, that's Z-O-F-I-A-R-E-N-N-E-A. And Rebecca also has a Facebook account, which is R. Hall Greider, that's R-H-A-L-L, G-R-U-Y-T-E-R. So you can continue the conversation with us outside of the show. And we'll be right back from the break when we hear how she shifted her mindset around making offers. So we'll see you then. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get Amplified. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel channel are you finding your frequency it can be described as that space between failure and success it's the future of digital media it's finding your voice it's engaging topics content and ideas jeff and ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects it's about making the mistakes taking the chances summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone 
and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thank you for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renee Morales. I'm here talking to Rebecca Hallgreider, and she was telling us a story about how she shifted her resistance around making offers. So you were confused as to why people were making bad decisions after you'd given them all of this information. <laughs> exactly. And, and I saw this happen again and again and again. And I finally realized, wait a minute, they're not an expert in this particular area. I am. And if I can come alongside them more effectively and help them understand how to navigate those waters, how to make a decision that's going to serve them, I'm going to feel good at the end of the day, and they'll be more empowered to make a better decision for themselves. And so it shifted. So I felt like I was taking on more of a consultant role versus this perspective I had around sales being slimy and high pressured and manipulative and yeah, yeah yeah like that that was how I had seen sales and I realized but if I could empower people in this the process where they actually can learn what to look at to make the right decision for them they're going to be able to make good decisions again and again and again in this particular area and that became exciting to me yes so I how did this change how you presented an offer then and then I, de- I developed a whole way of helping the person instead of being on opposite sides of the table. It's like we come alongside each other. Uh-huh. And one of the questions I, I learned to ask was, is this the first time they've looked at something like this? Yeah. Because that means they haven't planned around it. There may not be budgetary things set aside for it. They don't even know what's normal. They don't know what the range is. They don't know what the, the offers are. And they may not even have a budget now that you mentioned that word. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so coming at them and letting them know, here's the rates. This is the price. This is a great deal. You know, you have until the end of today to get the can be very high pressure. Overwhelming. And very yeah. But instead, if I could let them know, hey, you know, there's three different ways you can approach this in the industry. This is kind of how it works. Here's the do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Here's getting some support. And this is getting one on one support. These are the typical ranges of what the investments look like. This is what it looks like for us. This is what this means. Yeah. And then it becomes more of a discussion. And now, no longer are they feeling sold to, they're being empowered and they get to actually learn know what to look for and here's some of the ways you can feel into which is the right direction for you here are some of the indicators of when one-on-one support is 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 appropriate or here's where group programs may be combined with this or here's where this i mean depending on the industry you're looking at right 
And I found people would perk up. They would become empowered and engaged in the process, asking questions. And they, they would lean forward instead of leaning back. Exactly. And then you, I became a trusted person that they could now ask questions without feeling like my objective is to sell them something. Yes, exactly. My objective is to empower them in the process and help them make the right decision for themselves. And sometimes that wasn't what I was offering. And I would let them know that. And I would let them know what I think based on what they said their needs are, the next few things they may want to focus on. Yeah. They became connections that I still have to this day that reach out and ask advice. So it built a longer trusted relationship and it felt really good. And the sales followed naturally from that. Yeah, exactly. It makes a huge difference when you can be looking out for the good of everyone in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, the other thing you mentioned having a shift around was leadership. What was it that kind of shifted for you around leadership? Yeah, it's, it, I, I look back. It's always interesting when we look back what we see versus when we're in. Things yes. what we see. <laughs> so I didn't realize I had the gifting towards leadership and of leadership. But I was in charge frequently, managing things, coordinating things. I gravitated to that naturally. People looked to me frequently to lead and bring things forward. But to me, I had this image of leadership being kind of strong, domineering, um, heavy-handed, and... And I, I'm not that, and I didn't want to be that. And so I was really resistant. Sometimes I would send people to other people or that kind of thing. <laughs> because I, I was resistant to that. Yeah, I can, I can feel you on that because when I was in corporate, I, I don't know what it is about me, but some, I was in a room with like 40 other people. And if somebody came in looking for direction, they'd walk right past the manager and the other 44 people in the room and come over to me and ask. Yes. Like, what, am, what am I putting out? <laughs> Isn't it? It's so funny when we have that, that gifting and that calling. And we were, my husband and I were laughing um, a few months back. We were doing wine tasting. And we were in one of the stops. It was down through a, a town. And so you would stop in the different stores. And so we were just waiting in one of the stores. We had a glass of wine. We were tasting, kind of waiting for our friends to meet up with us. And I was in the back corner area just kind of observing almost everyone that walked in came to me to ask for direction (laughs) for something (laughs) having to do with the event and that sort of thing so I had to keep directing them to the to the proper person he's like what is the deal I said I don't know it's just part of how how I made and and that's okay yeah and I embrace it and so I've just learned that when I'm in those situations know who to direct people to Exactly. It's not something you turn on and off. Um, but I also don't step in where I'm not called to lead in that particular situation. So you know, exactly. knowing, you know when to step forward and when to, to redirect <laughs> to, to the appropriate parties. Um, but really learning to see myself as a leader and learning what kind of a leader I am. How, how am I made um, was an exciting discovery that there isn't just one type of leader. Yes. And we're and all made. So how did, how did you discover this? Well, people kept saying, leader, you're a leader. We see you as a leader in this way. We want you to run these things. And I started to ask them why. I was curious. Not, not you know, why me? You know, it was, I'm curious why you feel like I would be a good fit for this. Or what do you see a leader bringing forward that I can 
help with and step into that role. So I became curious and then a lot read a lot of personality books. Um, I love that part of my HR background. I love learning how we're all wired and made and that we can bring our gifts and our talents to our leadership role, whatever role we have, whatever we're leading and bringing forward, because I actually believe we're leaders. All of us are leaders in different ways, in different arenas that we're called to step forward and bring forward. We may just use different words or not call ourselves leaders. We might be a project manager. We might be overseeing this. We might be helping coordinate this. Those are all leadership roles. And the more I think we can own them, step into them and play to our strengths, the more powerful and effective and joyful we'll be. Oh, absolutely. I would agree with that 4,000%. Kind of rewinding a little bit to what we were mm-hmm. discussing earlier in the show. How is it that you transitioned out of like this financial role and into this God calling, if you will, your soul? Sure, sure. Yeah, and that was really as God was asking me to start telling my story. I didn't know all of where that path would go. I I thought, okay, we'll collect the people together. I'll share whatever I'm supposed to share. We're good. And I will continue on my path. Yes, I have my plan. We'll just put this on the side and yeah. And, And it became bigger. So from saying that, yes, within three months time, I was on a stage in front of 300 people. It was live streamed had two book deals in the works that one ended up becoming a number one international bestseller and kind of put me on the international markets, which then led to Voice America reaching out to me, which mm-hmm. led to radio and then television, having a television network. Nice. The um, other thing that happened there is I told my story for the first time. Seven minutes had a, in the background, I knew about this television interview coming up. I kind of felt tricked into, but did it anyway. (laughs) So Ghana was still having conversations about that. And I was terrified. I remember seeing that room and feeling energy. And one of the profound shifts for me is I gave myself permission to walk off the stage at any moment if I needed to. I actually knew the smoothest, most graceful way and fastest to leave the room. And it was seven minutes to tell my, to share my message. And and that may not sound like much, but when you're terrified, it's forever, it's forever, it's forever when you're scared. But I knew there was someone in that room that needed what I had to say. I knew it. And I was willing to be scared to make a difference for that one. Yeah. And so I stood up and I stayed on stage and every 30 seconds I stayed on, I was choosing to be there. It was not, I had to anymore. I was choosing. Yes. And I knew I would leave if I needed to, if I needed to keep myself safe, I would, but I was choosing to be there. And I don't remember what I said. I was a little out of my body, hands shaking, (laughs) he's knocking. Apparently I cried (laughs) and I shared what was on my heart. That's a beautiful thing. I mean, opening up your heart and being able to reach down and share that pure emotion with people. So powerful. And, and it was um, freeing in some ways too. And sharing that kind of facing my, my greatest fear in this moment and sharing it and having, and actually had a safe place to land 
as it was received by all of those people. Got a standing ovation I never saw because, again, I wasn't fully in my body (laughs) at that moment. I know. I know. And then then I got off the stage and ended up having this line of people that looked endless. I'm sure it wasn't, but it looked endless to me. And they were men and women. And they said, Rebecca, thank you so much for sharing. I was the one. And then the next person said almost the same thing in their way. I was the one. I was the one. And then they started saying, and I could tell you were scared. Because I didn't hide it. They could tell. And they said, but you cared enough about me to do it anyway. That inspires me. That encourages me. Yes. What I learned is I didn't have to be perfect. I just had to be willing. Yeah. That's all. Every step of the way. You had to be willing and you to have be. to be you. Yes. And it's enough. Yeah. And it's all that's needed. Oh, that is such a beautiful, beautiful story. And uh, I want to have a moment of peace for the story because it's so beautiful. Thank you. So when did things start to shift for you into becoming more of the publisher and supporting of other people coming out with their messages? How did that shift for you? Some of it was this, I had to have this shift around how I saw visibility. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like I have this great message. I, I want to make a difference and um, people need to know. I, I keep seeing the wounded. I keep seeing the hurt out there. They need to know they're needed. They need to know they're important. Yes. Why are they not hearing my message? Why aren't they coming to me? And part of it was I was trying to stay in my comfort zone. I was focused on visibility being about me. Mm. What I discovered visibility is really about, it's about that person in the dark moment when their life has changed. Hurt has come. Life will never be the same again because of what has just shifted, what has just happened in their life. It's like this big, thick pea soup fog comes down around them. And they're just trying to breathe. And they're taking a breath. And all of those noises get muffled. All of the well wishes aren't heard. The only thing I know that cuts through darkness is light. And what I believe visibility is, it's being that light. It's being willing to shine so brightly. We're easy to find, especially in those dark places. So they can actually see your hand outstretched. That's what visibility is about. It's about the person who needs your message. It's not about our comfort zone. Right. Right. So what concretely changed for you after you had that realization? What did you do differently? I started to look at where are my people? How do I find them? How do I become easy to find? What language can I use that they will be able to hear? So I'm building the bridge. I'm not expecting them to build the bridge to me. I'm not expecting to be discovered. Yes. I'm going out there and putting lots of feelers out there trying to be visible and seen. I'm looking, where do my people gather? Are they on Facebook? Then I need to learn how to work Facebook. Where are my people? Are, are they going to live events? Then I need to go to those live events. 
How can I be easy to find for my people? What are the phrases I need to use? So I started doing market research. I would try saying things in different ways in different environments. Networking environments are great for this. Introducing yourself and explaining what you do in a little different way. And here's, here's the thing. So often when people, we go to a networking event and we're, should, we shouldn't be surprised when they ask us, what do we do? Because that's what it's all about, right? And yet we'll freeze sometimes and kind of hope they don't ask us that question and, and not know what to do. And instead, I think this is a great moment to try out different ways of explaining what you do and see what lands. See what connects, see what gets the response from the type of person you know you're ideally suited to connect with and to help with use those opportunities. I I love looking at it that way. I I love looking at it that way because I know my husband and I are both self-employed and he's done a lot of work around sales and offers and out there getting seen and networking and this sort of thing. And I know one of the things he's struggled with is, well, but now I've just burned my opportunity for that particular first impression. It's like, do you know how many million people there are in this world? (laughs) There's another one you can have a first impression with down the road, right? Absolutely. And we still get to make new impressions too. As we go forward, and we can evolve and connect and grow deeper. Yeah, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I love that. So why is visibility so important to you? Because if they cannot see you and they cannot hear you, you cannot help them. Yeah. And so we need to be willing to be seen, to be heard, to shine. When I use the word shine, that means sharing out so brightly, so positively. We're easy to find even in those dark moments in people's lives. They know we're someone that will be there with them and can help them navigate those waters too. And the highs in life and the lows in life. We need to be visible. That is beautiful. I want to ask you about some steps we can take to be more visible, but first we have to take a really quick commercial break. So everybody hang with us and we will get those steps from Rebecca when we return from the break. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Zofia Renea, Z-O-F-I-A-R-E-N-N-E-A, and you can find Rebecca at Rebecca-Hall-Greiter-2802669. We need to talk about that name. Hang with us and we'll be right back after the break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. There's a new force to be reckoned with in talk radio. It's not just talk radio. Hosted by LaTanya Jr. and co-host Tina Wynn and Tony Brown. Not Just Talk Radio is like a superhero. Inspiring, problem-solving, and informing. Packed with action-provoking conversations from news, movements, and social and politics issues. This program is about a wide range of voices and fresh points of view from experts, celebrities, and you, the listener. Not Just Talk Talk Radio is broadcast live Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. 
Tune in every week to the Voice America Influencers Channel for The Movement with Shannon D. Hughes. It's all about what's happened in the past that determines the future. Everyone has their up moments and their down moments. The pendulum is always swinging between the victories and the pitfalls in our lives. But each of these serves as success points that we learn from and move forward. Listen for The Movement every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thank you for hanging with us. This is Sophia Renea Morales. I'm here talking to Rebecca Hall Greider, and she is fixing to share with us some steps that we can take to be seen by our people, the people we're here to serve. So fill us in a little bit on what are some of the basic steps that one should take as a person in service in this world. Absolutely. It's important to understand who your people are. And really get a feel for who they are, where they gather, what's important to them, language that um, resonates with them. Mm -hmm. And these should be people that you are excited to serve. Because we we sometimes try to serve everybody, grow everything, and we'll spread ourselves too thin. And some of people that we try to serve is like standing on our head and it drains us, and they're still not being served. Yes. Really looking at who your people are. Now, I know there can be a lot of, what do I want to say, conflict around that. I know for myself, I've got roughly four different buckets of people that I work with, people mm-hmm. who've been through basically majorly life-altering tragedy, uh, healers who are, feel stuck in their growth path, who need to go to another level but can't figure out what needs they need to do to get there, people who've had spontaneous kundalini awakenings and they don't know what to do with all this input that's coming from all these different areas. You know, I've, I've got all of these buckets of people. How do I decide who to just talk to first? It's looking at where you where do you have room for more growth? Where are you wanting to grow? Which which bucket, which area? And that's where you'll start. Because if we try to serve everything, do it all at once, that gets overwhelming and it's hard to move things forward. So really looking at um, this is the area that I want, this is the bucket I want to expand right now. And there might be some overlap in some of those. You can always look at that. Um, But focusing in on where we're starting, where we're at. 
and where do we want to go? So that planning, look at where we're at in that bucket. Where are your people? What is just outside of your sphere? Mm-hmm. What's even further, you know, uh, further and further. And then what are steps that you can take to start connecting with those people in that sphere? And, and don't be afraid to test market a little bit. I do that all the time. I will have this, what I think is a brilliant idea. But I can just <laughs> see how it can serve in so many different ways. But I will do a soft launch. Mm-hmm. I will test it in this environment before I go get flyers and everything else printed and I'm committed in stone. I will send it out, test market it, and see. One of the things I learned, and I learned this back in in my financial days, I started having these events. And it was a brilliant event, live event on Saturdays. My first event, multiple speakers, and six people came. Three of them were speakers. Oh, and we had marketed, we, had, we were providing lunch. It was a free event. They didn't even need to pay. <laughs> and, and, we, and everybody was marketing it, but we couldn't get more than six people in the room with three of them being speakers. And so I looked at that and thought, what do we need to do differently? So I finally decided to actually go to the people that we were trying to reach. That, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so I had, a, you know, I had a conversation with them. And I said, you know, We've been offering this, and I'm curious. It wasn't like, why aren't you coming to my thing? Can't you see how brilliant this is? <laughs> well, <laughs> it, so it, it sort of is, but not directly. <laughs> <laughs> but it was more, hey, I'm really curious why this event wasn't of interest to you. Yeah. And I'd love to know what would, why wasn't of interest. So I started there, and they said almost consistently, Rebecca, we don't want to spend a Saturday learning about finances. That's why we have you. I thought, uh-huh. that, that kind of makes sense. I can understand that. I said, okay. I said, well, what would you want? What do you want? I mean, we forget to ask that second question sometimes. Yes. And they said, you know, I would love to attend an event that was positive, that I could take my mask off. They use different language in explaining that, but it was a consistent theme that I could just be and be poured into in a whole person way. I would love to have an event like that, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And I started thinking, I think I'd like that too. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. (laughs) Maybe I could create that. And so we did. So we shifted those events. This is where my empowerment work started as a hobby under my financial business. This was a hobby that I was doing, our women's empowerment series that to this day we are still doing. And this is where we film our TV show that we share through multiple networks. And we have people that are traveling in all the time to attend these events, be part of our community. So those roots got started, but it started with actually asking people what they wanted and, and getting clarification on why what I was offering wasn't what they were responding to. Yeah. Sometimes it's how we say it. Sometimes what we're offering, they just didn't understand mm-hmm. because of the way we explain it. Other times, it's just not what they want. It can be a brilliant idea, but they don't want to spend their Saturday doing that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so kind of finding out where they're at. So where your people are, do some market research, find out what they want. And then do you want to offer that? And if so, offer it. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, I know you offer a a wide variety of ways to be seen, to be heard, to get in front of people, whether it's, you know, print articles or books or podcasts or 
TV shows or what it is. Are, are there some stages you need to be at before you do some of these things? Are, are some of these better applied at certain stages in your growth? Am I making sense? Is there something that is there a reason I shouldn't run out and do a TV show tomorrow? <laughs> yes, yes, understood. <laughs> so there's ways to do all of it. And as long as you're strategic and you have a plan around it, having a radio show, having a podcast show, having a TV show, I think it makes sense to have built some of your following first. You have direction, you have clarity, you know what you're offering, you have some consistency in that, and you're wanting to take it to the next level and expand your reach beyond that. I think that's when it makes a lot of sense to start stepping into TV, podcast, radio. Ways that you can get there can be through speaking, can be through doing things um, like anthologies. That's where you're writing a chapter in a book. That's actually where I started. I did, an, I did a couple of anthologies, and one of them changed my life and changed my course, and it gave me all this visibility that I would not have been able to achieve on my own. So it opened doors for me, mm-hmm. and I just had to write one chapter versus a full book, and so I found that really powerful. That's part of the reason we yeah, offer It's anthology. a lot less pressure. <laughs> Well, it is. I I can manage a chapter, a a whole book. That's a lot of pages. (laughs) Well, and then to me, you're compounding your growth because everyone's coming together to expand our reach and our sphere. We're getting to stand in this new space and way as we're doing that. And with the anthologies that we do, and every compiler is different, um, every respective author gets to own the rights to their chapter. Yes. So if they want to use that content, repurpose it for an article, they want to use it, make an ebook out of it. So they have a free gift now that can help them grow their list. Um, they've now got that started for them. So anthology is a really, really great place to start. Um, plus well, you're getting that. Seems to me that would be a really important question to ask if you were going to get involved with an anthology. Absolutely. Always ask. And the other thing I look for is I ask if they're going to do a best-selling campaign. Mm-hmm. And whether they can um, a guarantee or not, some can, some can't, some don't. Um, I want to know that it's important to them that the book is visible, that they're putting that as part of their objective as they're putting the project together, that they're committed to getting the word out there about it. Because I want, for me, I feel like if we're putting that content together, it's to change people's lives. It's not to sit on a shelf. Yeah. And so getting the word out there is really important. So I look for that personally when I look for anthology projects to be part of. Absolutely. Now we're getting down towards the end of our time together here. We've got about five minutes or so left. Um, And I know you brought a free gift for our listeners today. Would you like to share with them a little bit about the free gift? Absolutely. Because this helps with another one of those starting places. (laughs) It fits perfectly. I love it, love it, love it. So the free gift is participation in the speaker talent search. And people, I can provide the link if you want. I know that you've I will. I will provide the link. I'm going to describe it. 
<laughs> so this is an avenue for people to apply and get everything in order and together as a speaker and actually have all of your information reviewed by people that have speaking opportunities, visibility opportunities, interview opportunities. There's no investment or cost. This is part of our give back. It is. This is the free gift. Yes. And one of the things that happens with this is when I first started speaking, I had endless speaking opportunities. I had to turn down speaking opportunities and I discovered that wasn't the normal journey for yeah people. no most people are like somebody put me on a stage someplace I'll Ex- pay you <laughs> exactly and so I started looking at that because I was not the world's best speaker I was authentic and I was real and and came from a place of service but there were speakers I felt that had more experience that were struggling getting on stages and I really looked at that and I feel like the reason that I was, is I was easy to work with and I had all of my things together and I was able to explain it in a way that people that had the opportunities could hear it and understand it. So the application process helps speakers do this. There's 18 questions that you go through and these are the pieces of information. Anyone that has a radio show, that has a TV show, that has a stage, they want to know this about you, not just what's on your speaker sheet. Yeah, They want that too. This is the stuff they want to know about you so they can make a good decision about who to have on their stages. So whether or not you decide to turn in your application, I encourage everybody to go through the process Just and answer out the questions form for yourself. Fill out the, yeah. yeah, you don't even have to turn it in. But what I, but I mean, but a good step towards visibility is turning it in. Yes, because <laughs> Just, somebody yeah. else will now see it, right? <laughs> yeah. But a side effect, a benefit to doing it is you'll have to get all of your stuff in order. It's not getting ready to get ready to someday be ready. You'll need to have your bio together. You'll need to have your headshot together. You need to have your materials ready to explain what you do and what you speak about. What I find is people going through the process, they start talking about it and frequently will get speaking opportunities just because they're able to share a little bit differently about what they do. Exactly, because they've now thought it through and, and formulated it into an elevator speech or, or a quick description that they can share with somebody mm-hmm. and, and get to the bottom of the, the, the topic. So if you're interested in this amazing, wonderful free gift that she has to offer, you can go to sovereignself.media. And there's a whole list of speaker gifts on that page. And hers is going to be right at the top because she's today. They're reverse chronological. (laughs) Beautiful. Sovereignself.media. S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-S-E-L-F dot M-E-D-I-A. Media. There we go. (laughs) I can't spell today. (laughs) So we are getting back down to our last 60 seconds here. What tip would you give our aspiring authors today about writing their book? You've got 45 seconds. Sure. Take a moment and think about who you're looking to reach and what are three key things you would like to share with them. Three key things that can make a difference and write that down. And then go find a way to get that message to them, whether it's podcasting or blogging, having an interview on a show, writing a column, or expanding it to a chapter in an anthology. But or get clear applying to speaker talents. Or applying to the speaker talent search, exactly. 
Absolutely. But take action, write it down and then take action. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show with me today. Thank you. It's been a joy. Thank you for having me. And thank you to all you listeners out there for being with us. We can't do this show without you and we appreciate you. And until next week, go out and live soul first. Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Please join host Sophia Renea Morales again next week, right here 